Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith in Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. It was coming to me as we walked through this new series, as we start talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that as much as he's referring to the fruit, it's only an illustration of what should come from our life. And as we walk this through, as I worked at Lakeshore Camp um, in Coburg, one year we had to install a whole pile of sewer lines for the trailer park. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about sewer. Um, we had to install all these sewer lines, and it was really... It, it was horrible. But um, when we were all done, it was my responsibility that once we filled in the holes, that I had to make sure that the grass grew in time for the campers. And so I had to go out and uh, plant all the grass seed, do all this kind of stuff. And here's what I noticed when I'm doing grass seed where there's a whole pile of dirt and soil and then there's a whole pile of grass around it, that when you're throwing it kind of down the middle part, so if it was like an aisle like this, you're just down the middle, you're just kind of chucking grass seed wherever, you can kind of throw it wherever you want. But as you got closer to the edge, I had to pay more attention. I had to make sure that I had enough grass seed that it would kind of blend and I wanted to make sure that it was thick enough that as it grew that nobody would really be able to stand there and go, Here's the aisle. I wanted it kind of blend nicely. And so as I was tossing grass seed, and I have this part of me where when I'm doing stuff, I just kind of talk to God. And as I was tossing grass seed, all of a sudden I felt God say to me, this is what it's like sharing the gospel. This is what it's like when you're teaching about Jesus. In a room like this, I'm just assuming there's a lot of you where I can kind of just toss the seed out and you'll get it. And then there's some of you, you might be a little bit closer to the edge. And whether that is the edge of coming to Jesus or the edge of going away from Jesus, I realize we have to be a little more careful as we drop seeds. And as we're starting to plant and grow. And as we do this, it's a part of us so that it grows up in us that way that when we're sharing God with others and in our own lives, we have to be careful of our edges. Because as we talk and as we walk this through, we realize that as Jesus was talking, as Paul was writing about the um, fruit of the Spirit, he also kind of warned us about what wasn't part of the Spirit. And so as we begin this series, I just want to introduce you to this series. And as we go, I want to start in Galatians. Most of us know these verses. Galatians 5, starting at verse 16, it says this. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. When you won't, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. If you read a lot of Paul's letters, he gets into tongue twisters that are really weird. These are the two forces that are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out our, your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. See, the different areas of our lives are still on the edge. And this is where God allows us to have... Sorry, this is where God... Are on the edge of God and he allows us to have our lives... We allow him to have our lives, but just certain areas of our lives. Some of us still don't give him all of it. And that's the edges. 
We've accepted Jesus Christ into our life, but there's certain areas of our life that we're still kind of like, oh, I'm not going to give you all of it. In the moment, if you're wondering, okay, what do you mean, Chad? See, in the church, we like to create our own sin scales. So some of us are like, well, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. So really, Chad, I don't have many edges. But see, I posted a thing online on our Facebook page. If you're not a part of our Facebook page, and if you're online and you are on Facebook, you want to become a part of it, because we do throw a lot of stuff up on the Facebook page. And on it, this video was talking about the four things that put away his fire for God. And one of them was offense. See, a lot of us, we will allow God into our hearts, but the moment that we've been hurt by somebody and God says, you need to forgive them and pray blessing on them, now we're on the edge. See, some of us, we're okay to go, no, no, I forgive them, but you want me to pray for them? And you don't want me to pray like lightning strike them? You want me to pray blessing. And so these are the areas of our lives that are on the edge, where it's not just some of us in the Christian church, we will, we'll create our own scales and we'll say like, well, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. But all of a sudden there's offense in our hearts. Some of us like to gossip. Some of us like to talk about other people. Some of us like to do what the Pharisees do and say, as long as I'm not like that person, then I'm okay. And that's not what God's telling us. He wants us to come into line with him. He wants all of our lives. And so these are the areas of our lives that if you're easy, if it's easy for you to gossip about people and you pick up on it later, it's areas of your life that you have to watch even closer. If it's easy for you to get offended or if you realize when somebody walks through the door that there's something in you that goes, ugh, there's probably an offense inside. If somebody invites you, hey, do you want to get together for coffee? A bunch of us are getting together. Oh, I'd love to. So-and-so's, who's all going to be there? Oh, this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. Oh, my schedule's full. (laughs) So we have to realize these are areas of our lives that we have to watch closer. And we have to make sure that we're aware that offense is going to happen. It's the trap of the enemy. He wants to offend you. Um, and even in this video that I posted, it's, the guy said that so many people, I forget the statistic he rhymed off and people make up 63% of statistics on the spot anyway. But he, he said that um, most of the people that leave the church today are because of offense. And you can think about it for a moment. You can think of friends of yours that have possibly left Bethel or possibly have left other churches that they have attended and why they left. Some of you might be attending Bethel because you left because of an offense in the last place. And so we have to realize and understand how much the enemy loves to use offense. John Bevere, he wrote a great book in a curriculum called The Bait of Satan. And it talks about how the word offense in the Bible is actually, comes from the Greek word that actually means the bait trap. It's the part of the trap that's the bait And that's what the enemy uses for us. And so as we walk this trail, as we walk along and make sure that, okay, where are our edges? Um, Definitely, these are areas that we have to watch. He goes on in Galatians and he says, "When when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. 
sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, adultery, sorcery, witchcraft, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a whole list here, and you can break some of these down to even smaller uh, definitions. And so if you quarrel a lot, if you argue and fight a lot, if you have fits of rage, if you have these things, if you are drunkard, if you get into envy, you want other things that other people have, um, these are things that pull us away from God. These are desires of our flesh. And see, Paul wrote earlier that we all have these It's our natural fleshly desire that we are pulled towards sin. But when we're saved by Jesus, he gives us the strength to walk away from these. James tells us that we're only led astray by our own evil desires. But then he goes on to say that every time that we are tempted, God actually gives us a way out. And see, the tough part with that is if you read those verses, one, you can't blame anything else because it's your own desire. That's why some of us, we struggle with things that other people don't, but they struggle with something that we don't. It's because they desire something we don't desire. And if you don't have the desire, then you don't, you're not tempted. But then also, if you give in to a desire that you have, if you read those scriptures, you have to understand, if you give in to the temptation, then you have to ask God later to say, Show me where the way out was. And sadly, too often, it's very clear. It's very clear. And then we have to face the fact that I didn't trip and stumble. I actually chose. And I'm not saying this to bring you down. What I'm saying is we have to understand that some of our edges are very clear. And that's not to bring us down. It's to make us aware. See, the road that you drive on On the highways, they have signs showing you sharp corner, there's guardrails, there's all these different things to show you, hey, there's danger here, pay attention. You should pay attention all the time when you're driving. But it's there, a guardrail is not there for you to ride the rail as you're driving around in your car. (laughs) Right? That's not what the guardrail is for. For any of you learning how to drive, just so you're aware, the guardrail is not meant to ride around, okay? It's not like a skateboard. You just stay away from it, okay? (laughs) But what it is, is as we go through this, as we are walking our life with God, he wants us to put up guardrails in our lives. He wants us to put up safety nets in our lives. So there's different things that you put into your life, not because you know you're going to make a mistake, right? I wear a seatbelt every time I get in a car, not because I've been in many car accidents. I've actually been in zero. But I wear it every time in case one of you guys make a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I'm teasing, but what I mean is we all wear them, not driving, going, okay, I'm going to put my seatbelt on right now because I'm going to go have a car accident. So we have guardrails and safety things set up in our own life because in a spiritual walk, we want to make sure that we are protected before anything happens. You want to make sure you have all the safety guards put up in your life before something happens. Afterwards, it's too late. So, um, Cooley, do you remember his name? 
Lindo Cooley. He spoke at a conference, and when he goes to a hotel room, he sends people in from the hotel. They search the whole room. They search all the drawers, under the mattresses, closets, everything, to make sure that nobody before him left anything in the room that he doesn't want to see. He also makes sure there's channels turn off. So he only basically gets like news and sports. And somebody asked him one time, are you that weak that you have to do this? And his response was, I never have to find out. Too often we like to portray that we're strong enough to do all these things. And the only reason, the only way we find out we're not strong enough is when we're crushed by the weight. He continues to write and he goes on and he says, or sorry, he says in John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. See, it's very clear, Paul writes and tells us what will keep us out of the kingdom. But if we give it all over to God and we stay close to him, we will bear fruit. I love this promise of God. Because what he tells me is if I stay close to him, if my walk is important and I stay close as possible to him and I spend time with him and I listen to his voice and I follow what he tells me, that it's not, doesn't say that I might, but I will. I will bear fruit. And not just bear fruit. What does it say? Much, much fruit. See, the, the dilemma is, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, a lot of times we seek God for what we can get. And what he tells us is actually the closer we get to him in a relationship, in a closeness, in understanding his voice, and hearing him, and listening to him, the more that we are just want a close relationship with him, then through that, other things will come. A lot of times we, we seek the fruit and not the vine. And if we connect ourselves to the vine, then the fruit will come. It goes on, he says, what, so what fruit is he talking about? Paul writes, but the Holy Spirit, in verse 22 of Galatians 5, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. But those, so those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since you are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So as much as Paul is writing this all down, he says, here's the evil desires. Here's the things that can lead you away. And then he goes, here's the fruit of the Spirit. He then tells you, if you love God, if you are connected to him, you've already nailed all those evil desires to the cross. And you are free to walk away from it. He gives you the strength. It's not something you have to do on your own. If you're here this morning, you're like, but Chad, I struggle with this and this and this. I don't know how to beat it. You don't have to know. You just need to know him. And he'll help you. Find somebody that can help you. Find somebody that you trust and confide in them. And they will help you and walk with you. So I've learned a few things as I read through just Galatians 5. First, we learn what fruit we want in our lives. We know what kind of fruit we want. Jesus, Paul writes it very clearly that in our lives, what do we want? Say it with me in Galatians 5.22. It says, we, in our lives, we want love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit that we want in our lives. When people talk about us at work, when they see us in the drive-thru, when they see us on the road, and when they see us in the stores, they want to be able to say, that person's loving. You know what? That person has so much patience. They're so kind. They're so gentle. I can't believe how much self-control they have. I would have lost it, but they kept their cool. These are the things that we're supposed to have. We learn that since we belong to Christ, we've already nailed these passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross, and we've killed them. See, that's the neat part, is it doesn't have to come back because you've technically killed it. So don't resurrect that. Believe in Jesus. We, do, we know that we can stir up the giftings in our lives. Will our evil desires stir up every once in a while? Yep. But you don't have to give in to them. You can stand on the word of God and pray for a way out. You don't even have to pray. He'll just give you one. Just be bold enough and strong enough to walk through it. Because sometimes it's calling a friend that you trust in and saying, pray for me right now. Let's go for a walk. And it's getting out. We also learn that since we are living by the Spirit, that we are to have him to lead us in every part of our lives. And so this morning, as we start our series, I want to talk to you about love. The fruit of love. Romans 5, 5, it says this. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Does everybody, did everybody get a sheet of paper when you came in? Can you wave it at me? So here's our heart's desire. One, I have the air conditioning on, so you don't need to fan yourself with it. What I would love for you to do with these sheets of paper is actually take notes. Because here's what I believe. I believe on a Sunday morning when I speak that a lot of times the Holy Spirit speaks through me. And I pray that you'll hear the voice inside of a voice. And what I'm hoping for is you'll actually believe that whatever, as we go through this series, you're going to hear from most of our pastoral staff. And when we, as we speak, what I actually want and believe for is that you will go home and actually think about what we said. And over lunch, maybe talk about it. Not just give us a you know, 6 out of 10 scale on, like, hey, 6 out of 10 this morning, it was good. We don't believe a Sunday is a one and done day. And so we want you to take notes. We, there's questions there to apply to your life. We want you to understand that you can chew on this for the week. And go to our website. Our podcasts are up. You can subscribe to it on iTunes and listen to it throughout the week. And that way you can get more out of it. Because how many of you have listened to other speakers that you love listening to on the radio or through different podcasts or on TV, and you hear them say the same message, you've listened to the same message a couple of times, you're like, wow, I really got something out of it the second time. Anybody? Now, I won't ask for a show of hands who've done that for the ones that speak here. But, <laughs> but it's this question of realizing that you will get more out of it. And that's not because I'm speaking. It's because I actually believe that God will speak through you and to you. And so Romans, it tells us that we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So the Holy Spirit's in you, so you're already filled with love. This is the neat part for me, is God is love, 
And so he's living in us, and the Holy Spirit is in us, and so we can just flow through his love. So the more of Jesus I have, the more of the Holy Spirit I have, the more love that I have just to flow through me. And so if I'm not being loving to somebody, I probably just don't have enough Jesus to give to them. In a sense of this, the Bible, I've learned this, that if you're not praying for somebody, you've heard us say this before, if you're not praying for them, most likely you're judging them. If I can't pray, pray blessing on you, most likely there's something in me that is judging you. If I can't pray blessing on you, there's probably an offense in my heart that I hold against you. And so if I can't love you, then God's not coming through me to you, which means I'm preventing it. And so how do we love even more? We love because we are loved. 1 John 4.19 says, We love each other because he loved us first. See, when I think about the mistakes that I've made in my life, and when I think about the things that I have done, I find it still hard to believe that Jesus loves me. I think when we understand the mistakes that we still make, and I don't mean that, like, don't beat yourself up. Yes, you are forgiven, you are under his grace, but we still make mistakes. And when I remember that, that he still loves me, man, it just helps me to love others. Because when other people make mistakes to me, I want them to love me and give me grace and mercy when I make mistakes. So I want to try to do the same for them and for you. Mark 12 says this in verse 30. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This right here, this verse is why I think when we read this, when it says love your neighbor as you love yourself, I believe the difficulty we have with loving other people is that sometimes we have a hard time loving ourselves. And so we talk so much in the church about a spirit of humility that we have a hard time to understand that you're supposed to love yourself. You're supposed to love who you are. See, when I grew up, um, if you haven't noticed, I'm short. And so I got made fun of a lot. And growing up through grade school, I got made fun of a lot and I got beat up a lot. And so there was a lot of times when I looked in the mirror that I wasn't happy with what I saw. And my parents split up when I was very young. And so I, because of my age, I blamed myself. And so when I looked in the mirror, I saw somebody who wasn't wanted. And so if I didn't think other people wanted me, how would God want me? And so there's a part of us that we struggle to understand how we're supposed to love other people with God's love when you don't actually love yourself. There's many of us that when we look in the mirror, it's funny how it goes. Because there's people, when we look in the mirror, we're too short or we're too tall. We're too heavy or we're too thin. We have too much hair on our back and not enough on our head. (laughs) There's always something. And every one of us, when we look in the mirror, we're not happy. And what we have to understand and realize, when we look in the mirror, we're looking at a creation of God. And finally, somewhere along the line, I finally begin to accept God's love. And I began to understand that he loved me. 
He loved me so much that after he was done creating the whole world, he created me. He created you. See, Psalms 139, it says this in verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I want you to put a star beside this in your notes. Because here's what I want you to do this week. And this is for the men as well. Because sometimes when we read this verse, I think when we see beautifully and wonderfully made, we're like, that's beautiful for the ladies. No, man, this is written to you. Here's what I'd love for you to do. I would love for you to print this out, write it out, whatever you need to do, and stick it on your bathroom mirror where you get ready in the morning. Every one of you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this from your perspective, not from David's. For you created my inmost being. You knit me, Chad, together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And you need to declare this over yourself every morning. Every time you see it on the mirror, declare it over yourself. Because once you begin to speak it out loud and declare it over yourself, you'll believe it. And once you begin to believe it, I truly believe you'll be able to receive more of God's love because you realize that he knew you and created you from the beginning. Genesis 1 says this at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creation that are moving along the ground. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created the whole earth. And many of us will travel all over the world to see different beauties that he created. But we forget that every time we look in the mirror... When he was done creating everything that we travel and we go all over the place to see, when he was finished all of that, he said, oh, hold on. We're going to create one more thing. And it's going to be created in our image. Because we want them to rule over everything. And he created you. Every one of you. He created you. He created you in his likeness. He called you by name. He loved you so much that when you see the wonders of the world, they weren't wonderful enough for God. He created you, designed you, and made you. I think it's interesting that he, he spoke everything into being, but he created men and women. He created you. That's how much he loves you. 1 John 4.19 For we love each other because he first, because he loved us first. He loves you from the beginning and he'll love you forever. I sing a song to Emma almost every night and it was from a book and it's just, I won't sing it but I'll say it. Emma enjoys it, nobody else does. It just says, 
I love you forever. I love you for always. As long as I'm living, my princess you'll be. And God says that to you. Guys, he says prince. It's all good. But he's loved you for always. He will love you forever. Out of that love, we can share love. Out of that love, we pour out love. And so what love has he given us? It says in John 3, 16, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son, in, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So just to be very clear for you, when Jesus came, he never came to judge you. He came to save you. He came because he loved you so much, he came to lay his life down for you. And that's why he wants you to have his love this morning. Because he came with the purpose to save your life. Too often I think we teach and we, and we share the gospel and, and we direct it into things that we're supposed to do and not do. The Bible is very clear that Jesus came to save, not to judge. And I love how Eric Samuel said it. He said that, can I, can I be this and still, serve, and still serve Jesus? And he said, yes. You fill in that blank, whatever it is. He says, yes, you can be this and still serve Jesus. But then he's very clear to go, you just can't stay this. So whatever this is, yes, you can be this and still be saved. But you just can't stay this. And so whatever this is in your heart and your life this morning, however you've walked into this place this morning, whatever baggage you drag, can you still enter into a relationship with God? Can you still be restored to a relationship with God and receive his love? Absolutely. And he loves you so much. He loves me enough that he won't let me stay the same. I truly believe that the closer we get to God, the more we look like him. And so whether you're sitting here and you've never received Jesus, whether you're just new to him, or whether you've been serving God for a hundred years, I believe this morning God wants to just change your heart a little bit. I believe there's more love for you. I believe he wants to pour out his spirit in your life. Because he loves you enough not to leave you where you are. Whether you've walked with him for 50 years or 100 years, he wants you to walk farther. If you're just learning to crawl with him, he wants to help you up to take some steps. The moment, now I'm talking to the veteran believers in the room. The moment you believe that God isn't trying to still change some stuff in your life, the moment that you say, no, I'm in a good place with God, is the moment you start slipping away. Because if you're not pressing in, you're drifting away. And so I ask everyone in the room, just to kind of check your heart for a moment and say, God, it can almost be a selfish response. How can I receive more of your love? 
And he'll tell you this morning. Let's just close our eyes through the whole place. Because once we receive his love and have a relationship with him, then we will bear the fruit of love. And so this morning, if you're here with every eye closed, and if we just close our eyes out of respect, privacy. If you're here this morning and you say, Chad, I've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've never connected to him yet. I've always thought I couldn't be this and still be accepted. No, he'll accept you as this. And this morning, if you bring this to him, he'll love you with open arms. So if you're here this morning and you say, I've never accepted Jesus in my heart ever before in my life, but I'd like to this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. No one's looking around but me. Eyes closed. Just raise your hand nice and high. Thank you. Anybody else? Raise it nice and high. Anybody else want to join this one? So now if you're here this morning and you're saying, Chad, I've received Jesus' love, but I've kind of messed up. If you receive Jesus' love, you might know who the prodigal son is. If you're saying, that's kind of me, I I accepted his love, but I kind of walked away for a little bit. But today is the day that I turn and come back. If if that's you this morning, if you're here and say, I just need to get right with the Lord, I need to bring my life back to him this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand nice and high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else want to join these five? Nice and high. Thank you. Here's what I like everybody to do in the room. I like everybody to stand to their feet. For the ones that raised their hand, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith, another step. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to come forward. Come and join me and just stand right over here. If you raised your hand this morning wanting to get your life right or accept Jesus for the first time, just come and join me right over to my left. Whether first time or multiple times, come on and join me here. Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask some of our prayer team just to come and join them right now, please. Just stand with them. Now, we also know that when we take a step like this, there's nerves, there's fear, and the enemy doesn't want people to move. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to one another. Whether it's your spouse beside you, whether it's a friend on one side, I want you to turn to both sides and here's what I want you to ask the question. Do you feel like you need to go forward because I will go with you? So turn, ask one another. 
And if they say yes, come with them. more coming, more coming. I pray for miracles every week. I believe that God heals bodies and I believe that we will see physical bodies transform. And I believe that we should clap and we should cheer when the body is healed. But the one thing we can never forget, that the miracle of salvation, the miracle of a life coming back to Jesus, whether it was the first time or the 50th time, we need to remember that this right here is why Jesus came and died. And so everybody in the place, if you're staying with somebody, just join with them. If you're in your seats, just send your hands forward. And everybody in the house, let's repeat together. Let's say this prayer together. Let's say it from our hearts. Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. Because I am a sinner. Your word tells me that as I accept you today, I nail all my evil desires to the cross. So Holy Spirit, come into my life. Show me the way out. Continue to mold me to be more like Christ every day. I give my life to you. Jesus, come into my heart and lead me for the rest of my days. I want to serve you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give them a hand? Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 